So we've been looking as a church, we've been looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit and it's been a journey, it's been a good journey so far and it's exciting as you, as we come to a place where we actually going to start doing uh, the practical things of it. What What is your gift? What is the thing that makes you tick really in essence? God's placed it within you. We know that God's given us gifts and everybody has got at least one and and I do feel like if you're faithful in the little, that God will even increase that. So that's an amazing thing. But this morning, I want to look at something, and, and I've, I've actually called it this, a more excellent way. And it actually comes from a scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and verse 31, where Paul is saying to the Corinthian church, he's saying to them that... I want to, you need to eagerly desire the higher gifts. So we'll look at that at a later stage. I don't want to unpack the higher gifts and what are higher gifts. Is there higher gifts? Is there lower gifts? We're going to look at that at some point. But then he says this to them. He says, I want to show you a more excellent way. A more excellent way. So what we need to do this morning is we actually need to look at this church in Corinth because it's going to give you um, quite a good insight on why Jesus allowed, why the Holy Spirit allowed this scripture, why Paul said what he said to the Corinthian church. So let's look a little bit at the, the background of the Corinthian church. I want to say that this church was something to look at. If you ever wanted to see a crazy, amazing church, you should look at the Corinthian church. Of all the churches that was in the known world, it was the one that I most probably would like to have visited the most. And I'm pretty conservative, but I must say, Seeing what this church did and the things that they were doing, I would have loved to visit the Corinthian church above all the other churches. They were gifted above any other people that ever, ever gathered themselves around Jesus. So a church is a place where people gather around the person of Jesus. And this is... A sign, communion. But this church, it was exceptional in the way that they were doing church. They were exceptional. In actual fact, Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 7. He says this. Can I ask somebody to just close that one and that one fully? Then it might be nicer on you. So that you are not lacking... uh, Verse 427, sorry. I give thanks to my God always for you. Paul, Paul is telling them this. He says, I give thanks to you, to my God for you, because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. That in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge. He's saying this about the Corinthian church. He says, guys... I thank the Lord for you, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you. So that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, 
Guys, you, you, you're not lacking in one of the gifts that I'm going to mention later. Not one. And there's a long list in 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14. A long list. They didn't lack one of these. They were, they were as charismatic as you can get. Whatever it was that a Christian was gifted to do, the Corinthians had that gift above anybody in the world. Were the gifts of miracles? The Corinthians had it above any other church. Were the gifts of language and tongues? They could praise God and go beyond it even. Was there gifts of healing? Uh, gifts of interpretation? Gifts of prophecy? There were many of these kinds of gifts, Christian grace gifts. The Corinthians added a double portion. And Paul actually says, I thank God that this is true. This is true of you. But they had a lot of weaknesses as well. And the one I'm going to, I'm actually going to mention one and I'm going to talk about another one though. And I can't talk about the first one, but the the main, one of their main weaknesses was that there was divisiveness amongst them. Because some of them said, listen, I belong to Cephas. And others said, no, 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 I belong to Apollos. And, and some said, no, 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 I'm following Paul. And what's Paul's answer? He says, well, I'm following Christ. So there's this division amongst them. Even though they were the most charismatic church. There's quarreling amongst you, my brothers. There we go. What I say is, some follow Paul, I have Paulus. He says, but I follow Christ. He says, you guys are bickering amongst yourselves. You're fighting amongst yourselves. But that's one of the weaknesses. But I, the one I actually want to concentrate on is that they were extremely ambitious. Extremely ambitious. So ambition is good. God's not worried about that. But they were extremely ambitious for these gifts. The gifts of the Spirit. To the Corinthian, his church, the church of Christ in Corinth, was not anything other than a stage upon which he can aspire to be the most noticeable figure. Oh, I am a pastor. So I need my little stage. Or I can prophesy. And then they would prophesy. And they need their little stage. They were so ambitious. Now you can imagine combining division and this ambition. Guess what it looked like? Every person became their own little God. Their own little church. So all they wanted to do was to be noticed. I want to tell you. This is my gift. And this is on the back of why Paul starts writing 1 Corinthians 13. So just keep that in your mind. Why he puts it right there in between all these gifts. And that's why Paul has to say to them, I'm going to show you a more excellent way than all these gifts. Were they the gift of tongues? They were ambitious to speak with tongues more than anybody ever spoke in tongues. Was there the gift of healing? They were ambitious to heal in the most miraculous and astounding way that Christians could ever be. Was there a gift of prophecy? 
They were ambitious to have the gift and to prophesy beyond what anybody else had ever heard anybody do. They were exceedingly ambitious for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So now Paul says, that's fine, that's wonderful. For you to be ambitious, to have a gift from God and to exploit it, to work with it, to demonstrate it, to exercise it, to expose it. That's marvelous. But then he says this desire earnestly. Let's look at that. 1 Corinthians 12, 31. 1 Corinthians 12, 31. Earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you a still more excellent way. I try to write, sorry, it's in my Bible, so maybe I'll need my, I try to write this verse, that verse, leave it up there, in the exact Greek. So it would read like this. To be jealous, great gift of grace, to show yet a throwing beyond excess away road. Okay, that's how it would read in the Greek. Okay, for us it's like, what did he just say? He says, I'm going to show you a jealousy. You need to be jealous for this. Earnestly desire is that word, jealous. It's the same word. A jealousy, earnestly desire. A road, a way that is beyond excellent. It's like throwing beyond something. That says, it's beyond excellent. This is not just excellent, guys. This is beyond excellent. Because this is the way of Christ. Can we get 1 Corinthians? Did I ask you 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1, 2, 3? Let's read this. So, so remember, this is a letter. This is not chapters and verses and we're all like, he continues then immediately with the next verse. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1 says this. Remembering what he just spoke about, eh? 1 Corinthians 12 is all about the gifts. He says this, if I speak, in the tongues of men and of angels. But I have not agape. Love. I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. He says to them, guys, you're ambitious. That's great. But if it's not done in love. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. I mean words of knowledge there. Words of wisdom. And if I have all faith, a gift of faith, so that I have to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, a martyr, in other words, if I die for my faith, if I have a gift of mercy and I give all my clothes away, if I give my body up to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. So what is the more excellent way that Jesus is saying? Is love. Jesus is saying there's a way that, that supersedes beyond, goes beyond these gifts. The gifts are great. Well done, Corinthian church. You're operating in these things. And there's no other church that has ever operated like that in the gifts. But you know what, guys? If you haven't done it in love, it's useless. 
So let's look at this word love. Let's look at this concept of of love this morning. Like I said, it's from the Greek word agape, A-G-A-P-E, agape. I'm going to read some, some things that I have picked up. And, and actually, I want to get more the heart than try and get technical on this. Because the Greek language is very rich. So when they use this word, and there's three words mainly used for love. There's phileo love, friendship love. There's eros, that is the sexual love between a husband and a wife. And then agape. Just something... When Jesus prayed, he says, make us one. He uses the word adelphos, which means one womb. Adelphos. Adelphi, Philadelphia, it's that word, friendship love. But he is talking about that you and I, we come from one womb. We're born of the spirit now. When we come to the table, we are of one womb. We're born of God. Have you ever looked at it like that? When Jesus says we are one. That we are of the same womb. We are born of the spirit. We're born of God. That I belong as much to Mario as Mario is belonging to his own wife. That there is a depth that Jesus is talking about, my friends, that we miss. So let's look at the richness of this word agape. Let's look at some of the concepts. So it means unconditional, sacrificial love. It's the love that God is. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 and verse 16 says this. Is it verse 8 to 16? Verse 8 and 16. Anyone who does not agape does not know God. Because God is agape. God doesn't just love us. He is the essence of love. So if you want to know what that agape is like, you need to know God. Can I say this? Before Jesus, none of us had that. None of us had that. It's only in God that you can have that. That's how serious I want to get this morning. You might know buddies. You might know friends. You might even sleep with your girlfriend and have eros love for her. But I can tell you right now, you never understood what sacrificial love is all about. Because it's only in the sacrifice of Jesus that we realize this. It's only when you have the revelation that Jesus died on the cross and sacrificing himself. Now all of a sudden you can think, but for God so, love this world. We'll look at that now. It's the same word that is used. Verse 16, can we get verse 16? So we have come to know and to believe the agape that God has for us. The love that God, God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. You can't separate them. It's the love that God shows to us. There's your John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. 
That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. What do I need to do? I need to believe in Jesus. I need to believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. It's a decision that I made 28 years ago and said, Jesus, have my life. Because I know in you there is eternal life. 1 John 4 verse 9 says this. Just wanted to give you some background on it. In this, the love of God was made manifest amongst us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. There's no life outside of the life of Christ. There's no life. I have tried. I have looked. There's no life in the inside of a brandy bottle. There's no life inside a packet of cigarettes. There's no life inside uh, a little bit of marijuana. There's nothing in it. There's nothing in it. You will feel elated for a little while. It will make you feel good. You can have all the goals in the world. I've, I've tried that. I've tried it. None of it is like this. There's no life outside of Jesus. I promise you, I've tried all of the things. Between my wife and I, she's not here, I can say this. Between my wife and I, the only two things we haven't tried is prostitution and heroin. We've pretty much tried everything. But here's the thing. There's life in him. And I want to tell you, like never before, Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back for you. Like never before, I want to preach the gospel. Like never before. Because the day is coming that he's coming back. And the Bible says, he actually calls it a dreadful day for some. Those that are not found in this love. Those that are not found in this life. I'm not talking, well I've been to the church brother. Ek het ook kinderkerk gedoen. Ek het sondagskool bygewoon. Ek het gekatkeseer. Who cares about catechism? If you don't know Jesus, you will die in your sin. You will go to hell. That's it. Fire and brimstone. I said it. But you're going to die. And you're going to go to hell. Don't think that, don't be so naive to think that you can make it in by the skin of my teeth. Follow Jesus with your whole life, man. Give him your heart. Give him your life. Who come? Who come? Why is it like, oh, nog een bykie slijmer, nog een bykie slaap, nog een bykie handjes vou? Word wakker. Let God move upon you. And live for Jesus. I'll do it tomorrow. I'm sure Amy did not know there was going to be a crash this week. I am sure she did not know that they might lose somebody in that, in that crash. So for Bernardo's father, I pray that he found Jesus. Oh, but you're preaching a gospel different to ours. No, no, this is the gospel. This is the truth. I don't know what you got. You need to ask your money back because they lied to you. Okay? Whoever told you there's a different gospel, Paul says, let him be accursed. Let him be cut off because we don't preach any other gospel. 
And this is what he's pointing to. The love of the Father. I don't know why I'm hampering on this. Maybe some of you need to get saved today. Maybe some of you have sat here and you said, well, I have heard this a hundred times. I heard it many times. I've had the Ziermans that lived next to me inviting me for coffee since then at seven. And they always had voorbedachte rade. Always. There was always preconceived ideas. Because they always wanted to pray for me. They were the charismaniacs. But I liked their daughter, so that's why I went to visit. I had voorbedachte rade. I had preconceived ideas. And then I get cake and tea and alles and it's lekker. And then I, can we pray for you? Yeah, but for me. It's what we do. We need to become real about this stuff. Agape is a love which impels the one loving to sacrifice himself. Now we're getting deep. Because now this love is actually demanding that you sacrifice yourself. Then all that you give yourself to her. Now it's what's happening in your life. Can I sacrifice my life for you? Can I give my life to you? Because this is the sacrificial love. It's easy to say, well, Jesus paid the price. He's the sacrifice. But he's asking the same thing. Because you can't say you know God and you've never sacrificed yourself for anybody. You can't say I love God and you've never given yourself. Please don't come to my house. Don't do anything. I want to read you stuff. What this word means. I wrote it down. Maybe we're going to go there now. This is a, this is the Christian love. This is true Christian love. This is undefeatable goodwill. In other words, om goed te doen vir mense. Undefeatable. Jy kan nie defeat nie. This is, jy doen goed vir mense die altyd. I was the most selfish person on planet earth. It was all about me. As soon as I find God, I did stuff that I never dreamt that I would do. I was a racist. I was a racist. I'll show you the photo. Stand at seven, standing with my surfboard at Strand, with a big board behind me saying, Blankes alienlik. They asked me, in Stand at seven, 14 year old Stefan, where must the colored people go? So I said, Makassar, Atlantis, they have their own beaches. That was me. Coming to Christ one night, sitting in a church. A man comes down that aisle. I can smell the street upon him. He's had grafts, skin grafts from his back put on his leg that did not take. It's rotting. I sat in front of him by his feet. I don't know who had more snot, me or him. Crying and laying my hands on this man. Old Stefan would have said, Lap aside. Go sit on the other side. That's the love. And I'm not boasting in my love. I'm saying, Jesus, only you can do that. 
Black people would walk on the other side of the N1. I would take batteries and throw it at them. I have two black kids. Jesus. It's just Jesus. It's nothing else. I don't boast. I want to say like Paul, I don't boast. I boast in him. That is the Jesus that we need. Not a segregated Jesus. A Jesus for the black. A Jesus for the Jew. A Jesus for the colored. I don't see a church for the coloreds and a church for the blacks and a church for the whites. I don't see a church for the German and Afrikaner. I see a united body of one womb. That is what I see. And this, you are part of that. The love. I don't know why the Lord is taking me down this road. It's the love of choice. We choose to do this. We choose to say, yes, Lord, I give my life. It's the love of choice. You make a decision in your heart and you say, I lay down my life. This love is, 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 is decisive. It's not an impulsive love. You know, impulsive love is this. Sorry, baby. I found a new wife. I found a new woman. I've fallen out of love with you. How can you fall out of love? How can you? This is a decisive love, not an impulsive love. We use love in the same language. We say we love God, but we love McDonald's. Come on, people. It's not the same love. We need to understand agape. We need to understand an unconditional, sacrificial love. And that's what God called us to. It involves action. It is active. It's not just a sentimental love. Oh, I love you, bad. I love you. That's a sentimental love. How do I show my love to Bernard? How do I show my love to Bernard? This is not a sentimental love. I love you with the love of the Lord. We all sing that little song, but we all lie. Because if I see you in pick and pay and I don't like you, I'm actually not going to look at you and greet you. Where's the love of the Lord now? Because you muff. Your heart is in a bad place. You miff with me, so you don't want to talk to me. You evade me. I have offended you. Jesus will offend you. So now don't you love him anymore? And I'm not trying to be offensive. The Lord hears me. He knows my heart. But we need to take these offenses and put it behind us. When he said, Jesus, I need to sacrifice This love will sacrifice time. This love will sacrifice some of your belongings. It's a sacrificial love. It's the love of devotion. To be devoted. But I can tell you right now, there's a time coming 
in the church, the Bible says this, Paul warns, he says, there's a time coming, and I think it's in Second Timothy chapter 4. Check me out on it. He says, in the last days, people will become lovers of self and all these things, and people will start following doctrines of demons. They will actually be devoted to doctrines of demons. Wrong devotion. 2 Timothy or 1 Timothy 4. Somewhere there. This is not an emotional love. Although emotion will be involved. Listen, you can't say I love you and I don't give you a hug. It's going to be involved. I know this is the most unemotional guy in the church and I'm going to love him. (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) I have my chin no idea. I get it. Not your friend, okay. I need to show my love. I'm going to show emotion. But it's not just an emotional love. It's a practical love. It's something of the heart. It's a change of heart. It's an attitude. Listen to this. Agape is an attitude of selflessness. It's when you decide to not worry about yourself that much. Maybe make somebody a coffee when you get here. Don't just serve yourself first. Find somebody. Make somebody a coffee. That's selflessness. Just practical. Simple little thing. It's an absence. I want to say this. An absence of agape love will be the presence of sin. With this love... Is not present, there will be sin. That I can tell you right now. And what is sin? The best way to describe sin is to miss the mark with God. That is what sin is. So if you don't have this love, you're going to miss the mark with God. One more thing. Love, it's a love that gives continuously and Unconditionally, I don't put a condition to this. I don't put a condition to why I give. I give because I love you. Well, there must be, there must be a reason why you do this, brother. No, there's no reason why I do this. I just want to love you. I want to agape you. I don't want to just, I don't want to give because I know. I don't want to visit you because, you know what, you might say, oh, he likes me, you know. There's no, Unconditionally. This is the kind of love we're talking about. And continuously. Don't stop. Don't say, well, you know, you know, there's the worst thing in churches when we Christians. When we used to be. When we used to. You did that. 25 years ago. What about now? Do it now. Don't say, I used to do it. It's a spontaneous love. It speaks the highest good of others. When I'm in a conversation, people are talking about Dirk and Mandy. What do I say? You know what? I've noticed something. Or do I speak the highest good of them? In all my conversations. What do you do? 
This is love, people. This is the love that we are talking about. I just want to see if I missed any, any of these verses. I want to read Matthew 22. Can we quickly go there? See, this love, this is the love that the bad, will be the badge of disciples. Disciples of Jesus, you walk around with this agape love on you. But they said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall agape the Lord your God with all your heart. And with all your soul. And with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And he continues. Second to this is. To love your neighbor. As you love yourself. This week. The Lord showed us. And I'm ending with this. The Lord showed us something. I just want to go find this verse quickly. Give me one second in Galatians. I think 5.19. Just hold on. I just want to read you a. Galatians 5, 4, please um, can somebody quickly find that verse, it says, sing to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, Google. Pastor Google works fast. <laughs> I want to show you something in that verse. So here's the amazing thing. So much of our Western worship, I want to just quickly, I want to teach this quickly. So much of our Western worship is this. Are you guys with me? It's, it's between me and God. Right? So much of African worship is... This way. Where's that verse? Ephesians 5.19. Ephesians 5.19. Can we quickly turn there? Not Galatians. I knew it was 5.19. Ephesians 5.19. I want to show you something quickly. This might blow your mind on worship. Okay. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 19 says this. And he's talking about being filled with the Spirit. He says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Then he says this, addressing one another. Can you see the horizontal? One another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Too much of our worship is being centered like this. When was the last time we sang to one another? Whoa, 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 whoa. Now you, no, whoa. I'm struggling to just do this right. Now you're telling me I need to sing to my buddy next to me or my wife. That's exactly what I'm saying. Because collectively, one womb, collectively, we make up Jesus. Collectively. So if I want to see Jesus face to face, I need to look in your face. And in your face. And your face, your face, your face, your face, your face. Then I will see Jesus. <laughs> so we need to start worshiping to one another as well. Because of love. Not because of anything. Because of love for the Father. 
We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Very vertical. But we have stopped with this. We're not doing any of this. The Lord rebuked us as elders this week on this thing. I've never seen it. 28 years. Never seen it. Never seen it. Do I have dips on this? I don't know. I, I need to go and work this thing out. How does it look? But we started saying thank you for one another. We started. It's just, it's the way of the, it's the way of God. It's the way of agape. It's the way of love. Teacher, show us. She says, one way, Father, and then your neighbor as you love yourself. I want to end by reading this little, little quote. Love has not an irritating thorn in its hand, nor a jealous look in its eye, nor depreciating words on its lip, nor sore feelings in its heart. Love sees the best in others and the worst in itself. Love will wash another's feet and think it is honored by so doing. This is the way of love. This is the most excellent way that the Father wants us to walk in. We can desire all these gifts, my friends. But if we don't have love, if we don't operate them in love, every one of these gifts must come from a place of love. Otherwise, we will be 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 to 3. And then he continues, he says, love is patient. Love is kind. Go read 1 Corinthians again with this in mind, what true agape is all about.